Please note, for maximum picture quality, it may be necessary to adjust the tracking control on your VCR. This is the true story of a man and a gun and a car. The gun belonged to the man, the car might have been yours or that young couple across the aisle. What you will see in the next 70 minutes could have happened to you, for the facts are actual. And this is Adjust Your Tracking. We're a podcast where we're on a venture to watch a century of cinema, decade by decade, year by year. I am one half of your hosts, Liam Delaney, and with me is... Oliver Jones. I love how you said car then. And a car! <laughs> Did I? <laughs> That was my attempt at dramatic reading, and I realised halfway through I'm not dramatic at all. I'm just camp. I need to. <laughs> I need to put some dramatic music behind you. Yeah, like the the music in this film. That yeah. it's good music actually. Yeah, I really like that music. I really liked it a lot. Actually, it's my favourite part about it. How are you? Before we talk about the film. Yeah, so I'm good. I was almost going to go straight into it then, and we're not allowed to do that. That's the no levels. naughty. Uh, I'm good. Uh, yeah, I'm just building props and sets and characters, and I just took in an order of a hundred blocks of plasticine today. So that's what what I'm doing. The usual, to be honest. Wow, wow. <laughs> so what you what have you been <laughs> up to? Hundred blocks of plasticine. So what are you making with the plasticine? I want to know. Spoilers. Uh, well, I have to make T Bone McGlazer blast again. Sure. Uh, I have to make Alice again. Okay. Uh, so you have I've to make them again, even though they already exist. Well, they don't exist anymore. I mean, after I did the first them? video, I wasn't expecting to make another video with Alice in, so I dismantled it and made T-Bone on top of the Alice armature. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Really? Just and cannibalized then, them. But the thing is, though, like, the more... You, they're not like the Nightmare Before Christmas uh, armature ones, which are kind of like... They're pretty robust because they're, like, made in moulds and stuff like that. Okay. These are made okay. out of plasticine, so the more you fiddle around with them the more fucked around they get to be honest and you have to like they just kind of get a bit worn out and stuff yeah so like i had to rebuild alice about five or six times maybe even more i mean to be honest after every shot you're having to to fix to fiddle. Them. yeah like if you notice at the beginning of the last video t-bone mclaser blasts i can't say that name without sounding really stupid <laughs> his hairline is really high but right, like right. by the end of the video, because I've squished his face that many times, his his hairline is like right down by his eyes. <laughs> no one notices. I don't notice at all. No. Yeah. Do you shoot in order then? Um, do you shoot chronologically? I do, just because I think it helps me and it helps Brandon. That makes sense. Okay. Or sometimes I do the harder shots first for Brandon, so he can get those out of the way first. Right. You so, sure? Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. So at least he knows how long he's. He's got the harder stuff that takes longer out of the way than he's yeah, going exactly, to do the other yeah. stuff. That makes sense. So how are you anyway? I'm okay. I'm freezing cold. Um, that's that's because it's winter. Uh, yep. It's that damp I, cold though, isn't it? The one that gets yeah. in your bones and you're like... It gets all the way through you. It's bloody England. Like, yeah. yeah, it shoots all the way through you and you just constantly feel cold. I've been in countries where it's snow, but it, you don't feel... the even though it is cold, you don't feel it like this kind of cold. Do you know what I mean? Like no, when, I know exactly what you mean. Like, where did we go? Where, I can't remember where we went. Was it Estonian? It was like snowy and icy. Yeah, it didn't yeah, feel it was that. Tallinn, yeah, you know, it didn't feel that cold. It was kind of and, yeah. It was kind of like when you went outside. It was like chilly. Like it pushed you in the face, hit you in the face with that like kind of cold. It was, but like yeah. when you're indoors, it didn't feel like it does in this country when you just yeah. constantly feel a bit 
I don't know, just just yeah, cold is the weird word, but damp, yeah. yeah damp. Like, so yeah. yeah, that's that's about it for me. I don't know what am I doing working. I don't think anything interesting. No, you've, you're one of your projects is it for an award? <laughs> yes, it is. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big thing. That's really cool. Yes, yeah. so we've been uh, we've been nominated for uh, the current archaeology um, rescue project of the year for the work we did on the Herefordshire Viking horde. Uh, which you can find a write-up of the the story about that hoard in the New Yorker. Actually, it came out uh, last it's week. Pretty amazing. You can find that online. Yeah, yeah, it's an amazing story. Uh, really cool article. I really recommend it as well. And I've never had anything that I've done in my life, you know, in terms of archaeology, actually getting printed in a kind of a a mainstream you know mainstream magazine like interest mm. magazine normally like you just get stuff printed in kind of you know uh, specialists mags or specialist right, journals right. and stuff like that so that was really cool and i really like that and um and that's you know a big change and stuff can i um can i get the film rights <laughs> yes you can <laughs> honestly i think it'd make kind of an interesting film uh really the, yeah. the story's kind of baffling and um i honestly you should talk to the new yorker uh reporter see if you can kind of get the rights from her because she would have the she would have the rights to her story so who do you think should be in the film adaptation oh god i don't know oh jesus uh who would play you i haven't got a clue (laughs) i've got a clue who would play me i know what most people would say what is that james fader (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) he's a little old now uh mocap him Okay, okay. <laughs> but he'll look like um, his character in Age of Ultron. He'll just walk around. Like a, <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> a robot with glasses on. <laughs> oh, that'd be really cool. I'm sure. Th- I, that, I know. I'm going to try and cast it now. So next week, I'll tell you who I cast it. Okay, you know, fan cast the um, fan cast. It. Even though you won't know most of the players, so it's a bit stupid. But I still tell you I cast. Like, right. <laughs> But it's it was really interesting. It's uh, really cool and like um and yeah, please I don't know vote for us on the current archaeology website. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean you <laughs> could find. I'm sure you've tweeted it out. So if you follow adjust yeah. your tracking on Twitter, which you should do, which is at adjust your <laughs> tracking with a yr, not a your, <laughs> not a your. <laughs> I don't think that really makes sense, but I, I <laughs> it works. It works fine. <laughs> It's um, now a slogan. But yeah, if you follow that, then you could probably find Liam. Or is it what's your what's your actual Twitter handle? Is it it's like, just underscore yen? Yeah, okay. Y e n. Yeah. So what did, has anyone tried to buy that one off you? I know they tried to buy your Instagram account. Off no, you. no one's ever tried to get my Twitter one, but my Instagram one is constant, like absolutely constant. I get people trying to hack my Insta- Instagram account. I got a text this week of someone like, "Click here to get back into your Instagram account." And yeah. stuff. Like, I get it constantly, and yeah, people want to buy it, but it's like. I almost just want to change my name because I don't care. <laughs> like, you know, Why don't like, you sell- Just leave me alone. <laughs> so you don't fancy selling it then? Uh, well, I, it, I can't be bothered for playing around with that. You know you wouldn't get the money and it will just end yeah. up in Bitcoin somewhere and some bullshit. You know, Whoever you're selling it to would look to try and cheat you. So you just like... Yeah. It seems like more... If they're going to try and hack worth, you, yeah, they're, they're not exactly the most reputable... Exactly, yeah. It's just a bit, yeah. fuck it. I don't really care enough to play with this game. You know, to post my three pictures I post every month, you know. <laughs> <laughs> of your, your new Doc Martens. How are you, Doc Martens? 
They're very good. They're a little tight still, but I'm going to keep wearing them until they uh, loosen up a little bit. But I really like them. It's my first pair of Doc Martens I've owned, actually. I had I some. At, I had some at school, and um, I remember when I went to a nightclub for uh, Eddie's number eight for a Halloween party. You know, <laughs> sure. And you know me, I dressed up as a Ghostbuster, standard. Standard. And I wore my Doc Martens, and um, throughout the course of the night, I got a bit tired, so I just took my Doc Martens off and just put some trainers on, and then mm. just left my Doc Martens there, and I never saw them ever again. No way. <laughs> no. no way. <laughs> Well, you know, you have a few too many drinks, you tend to yeah, yeah. get things. <laughs> God, yeah. the only time I've lost a... I lost a boot when it was... um, I can't remember what birthday of mine it was, but me and Robin went down to um, Avebury, Avebury, the Stone Circle place, and yeah. we decided to have, like, a, just a walk around the whole day, and we took, like, a couple of bottles of wine with us, a bottle of champagne and stuff like that, and we just were walking around and, and drinking champagne on top of burial mounds and things like that. And... um. Then, as we were walking back to my birthday in February, it was already like pitch black, and we're still walking back through these fields and stuff like that. And we get back to the car park, and we change out of like, like our boots and stuff like that, and, and jump back in the car. I think it started raining as well. And uh, then the next morning, no, not even the next morning, like a week later, when I'm going to get my walking boots, that I only had one of them in the car. Oh no! <laughs> and it's definitely I just left a boot just in that car park on its own. <laughs> It was funny. I even called up because we parked in like a English Heritage or National Trust car park, and I even phoned them up and said, "Look, this is stupid, but did anyone happen to give you a one boot? <laughs> like, <laughs> Nothing, because it's mine, and I kind of want it." <laughs> and she just, she just thought I was an idiot and ignored me. <laughs> I went to the uh, New Forest, I think, not New Forest, Peak District, sorry, just after the first lockdown to to film something and. Um, mm. I was filming a, a performer under a tree and I put like, you know, like the, the big fold out, like uh, reflector lights that you kind of, you pull out of a bag and it kind of like one of those tents, it kind of goes, oh, yeah, kind sure. of like, yeah. So I put it, placed it in the tree so it kind of blocked the sunlight coming down from her, coming down onto her. And yes. um, uh, I came home and I had another job the next day and I needed my reflector. I went to go and get it and I was like, shit where's where's my reflector <laughs> i was thinking i didn't leave it there did i and then when i look back at the dailies from that shoot you can see it in the background of all the shots just sitting on the tree and i just left it there and i didn't notice it was just stuck in the top of the tree Fuck. i don't know who who looks after the peak districts those kind of areas i don't know it was this wicked area it's this one where it's got this like you know where the kind of the the ground separates and it's kind of like all rocky it's all green and kind of like you, it's like a cave but it's like it's open top okay okay i don't yeah, know if yeah. you've ever walked through there it's this wicked quarry yeah. it's so cool i can picture it that's cool i forgot what it's called we used to go to the peak district a lot at high school um because of um i did geology and literally right. Like that's where geology lives, especially in the Midlands. So like it, we're always like we're off to we're off to the Peak District. <laughs> it's 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 ace. Like it is, yeah. Yeah, you know, you've got some great waterfalls around there. You've got some great mm. terrain and stuff. It's quite quite filmic, quite cinematic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, when fucking whenever we end up not being in this hellhole of pandemics, uh, <laughs> yeah, you need to come down to like um, the uh, Forest of Dean. Oh, I'd love. I've wanted to go scaling around there for a while and stuff like that. They use like that's got tons of filming locations. You couldn't shoot in like Puzzlewood and stuff like that, but because it's privately owned, but you can still go and visit easily. 
That's the one thing I liked cool. about the uh, the Peak District. Is like I could, while there were people around, you you could find like a little nook or area. Yeah, where yeah. People weren't there, or like I went like super early. I went. We got there at like seven in the morning, and it was still summer. So, um, like by the time I'd finished, that's when people started to turn up. So, sure, it's sure, cool. sure. But anyway. But anyway, enough of that. Have you watched any films today? Um, today, I've, <laughs> this week, I have watched one film today. But um, I have watched so many films over the past. I I've been trying to be good um, oh. and watch things because the year's coming to an end, and I need to have an opinions about things. Ollie, and I've st- I've <laughs> slacked and not had opinions about things. So I, you always so have I, opinions. That's the one thing. You have. <laughs> yes, but they they're normally not informed by anything. so like i i watched loads like i watched like the trial of chicago 7 which i thought was kind of shit um okay (laughs) great performances really great performances but the story is bollocks and i think someone needs to like someone needs to stop aaron sorkin now like he needs to be put like he needs to be stopped (laughs) in what way like what what he he just completely he's completely like you know like the west wing yeah. Like he he's treating history like the way he writes the West Wing and the way he characterized this story and the characters in it and nothing to do with their actual beliefs. It's all to do with his politics, his liberal politics and stuff like that. Right. Um he's not I'm not even like liberal, yeah, but like democratic, you know, he's a democrat and it's all like pushing it around that democrat way and and um characters such as such as the Chicago and Seven and stuff like that, like Abby Hoffman. They weren't fucking Democrats. Like they were, um, they were countercultural people. If you agree with them or not, like the words that he put in their mouths in this isn't what they I believed. Wasn't, yeah, got you. It just isn't. It's a mi- it's a mis kind of a mis kind of use of like history, really. Um, and I just thought it was pretty crap, really, to do that. Performances are great. Sasha Baron Cohen's awesome. Um, it's one of his first like uh, like kind of not sh- character roles. Yeah, yeah. I was say- like, yeah. Um, uh, Mark Rylance is awesome. Like Eddie Redmayne was a bit odd, uh, car- but like um, Yaha Abdul Mateen, the second oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. his name is, he's so good in that film as the um, the Black Panther guy. His name's got in my head for a second, but uh, he's so good in it. Like, um, and it's just a shame that that was the film they kind of made. Really, I thought. But um, well, he's the he's the guy in Watchmen, isn't he? And um, yes, I think he's in um, Aquaman as well. Yeah, he plays um, Black Manta, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's really good, and I think he's one to watch, actually. But so, like, Sorkin, this is like his second directorial film, isn't it? After, like, what, Molly's Game? Molly's Game, yeah, which I actually never saw. um, So I don't know if that was good or not. I mean, it's okay. I mean, it was based on on the true stories, isn't it? So I I think um, Michael Serra in it is basically kind of playing, I believe, is um, Tobey Maguire. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But I like. I, lo- I love Steve Jobs. I have to say, I thought Steve Jobs was really good. I've actually never seen that, no, um, like even that. though I like the director. So um, yeah, yeah. I actually do need to watch that at some point. I just. But, I don't like. I just. I avoided it because Steve Jobs annoyed me, and I was a bit. F- and it came out <laughs> in a time when I didn't want to hear anything more about Steve Jobs, and I just. That's kind of the reason I didn't watch it. Well, you got that period of like several Steve Jobs films. There was one that <laughs> yeah, had Ashton, Ashton Kutcher, Kutcher one. And there was, yeah. um, I swear there was another one as well. I think like, there was another one. Was There's like, that um, 
Uh, there is that one that has him and Bill Gates in it. Is it the Pirates of Silicon Valley or something like that? Is that what it's called? I, um, I can't remember now. But like, yeah, there's the, there is that film as well. And I think there was even a documentary. Yeah. Okay. Pirates of Silicon Valley. It's a docudrama from 1999. And it has Steve Jobs as played by Noah Wild and Bill Gates as <laughs> played by Anthony Michael Hall. Okay. That's a, that's a cast. <laughs> Um, oh, feature films, here we go, yeah. I, Steve. <laughs> just oh, Justin Long plays him. I think that what? may be a, a comedy That one, can't right? be, yeah. <laughs> Look at the poster. <laughs> it's definitely a comedy one. Yeah, it's a funny or die one. <laughs> but yeah. What else have you watched? Uh, what else did I watch? After that, I watched uh, Da Five Bloods, um, which... I've wanted it's to watch that. So watch good, that. like it is so good. It's, it's a, it's a little too long. Like I think, like, but whatever. Spike Lee can just do whatever he wants. Like who am I to criticize him? <laughs> like, but um, once it kind of gets into it, I was hooked. Like I was absolutely hooked by it. Um, and I couldn't look away. And I just loved everything about it. I love the way that Spike Lee folds in kind of current event stuff and current footage with old stuff. I love the looking at like African American troops in Vietnam. I love the kind of way it was pushing like, you know, one uh, conservatism and modern republicanism with African Americans and things. And uh, then it just it's fucking shocking and gory and everything. It's um, it's a real treat. And uh, Delroy Lindo, uh, if he should win Best Actor this year, if he doesn't get nominated, that's a crime. Well, but, like the, I guess the problem is it's a Netflix film, so and it did it come yeah. out during the pandemic, so it didn't get any theatrical play, or did it? I, I have know. no idea. I have Super. no idea, but it would be an absolute, absolutely mm. criminal if he doesn't at least get nominated because he's an absolute tour de force in this film, like in just just absolutely tearing it up on screen he's amazing like and um and just for a career like his he's always been like a bit of a bit player you know in films right. uh, like a character you know a character actor not really bit player but character actor i think um just take a role like that and just run with it it was really cool to watch and i really loved it same all the cast are good but delroy are just fine delroy is so it's so good. weird looking at his filmography because like you look at them and you know you've kind of got to do the right thing. She's yeah. got a game. I think he was in. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, Jungle Fever. Uh, sorry, he's got game. Sorry, not she's got game. Um, but then you see flipping um, old boy, and it just it just sticks out <laughs> like a sore thumb. It's like I I forget that he remade Old Boy. I've never seen his remake of it at all. I really haven't. I, I I'm kind of interested to see. It. I know that the villain character is. Um, Chateau Copley and a little oh, bit of Chateau okay. Copley goes a long, long way. <laughs> it helps. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I don't know. It's a weird. It was weird when even when I, you know, you heard he was making it. It was kind of like what? Like so, there must be something that he's bringing to it. Spike Lee doesn't make stuff without like thought, you know. Like so, there must be something there. Yeah, so I should I should watch it. And again, Spike Lee should. This film should be up for best picture, up, to, up for best director. I mean, are they ever going to give him those awards? Like, they really mm. need to. Well, like, Black Clansman was great. It was. Yeah. I loved Black Clansman a lot. Yeah, I really did. I think that won best screenplay, so he did win an Oscar. Yeah, but he did. I yeah. think best director, best picture, he really should be 
It's it's insane that he's never won it. Really. Well, it's like, like it's, it took Marty a long time to get one, didn't it? And mm. and I, for some reason, I know they're very different filmmakers, but I kind of no, kind I of, link them together. New York do, filmmakers. Do you know what I mean? I kind of, yeah. I kind of. I mean, I know he's like, from Georgia originally, but I, I always think of him as a New York yeah. kind of filmmaker. Um, like, and it, you know, maybe you know, eventually he'll get one, and it'll be like this is for all your. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking because he's had the Black Klansman was just last year, the Five was this year. That's like a good twofer, and that's kind of things that awards kind of those those groups think about. I think so. Maybe mm. it's the time of year to be like, look, okay, like you, you know, this is definitely yours now. You, this is this is kind of like this might not be the best film you've ever made, but this is the best picture this year, kind of thing, and this yeah, is yeah. yours. So. Even though the Five Bloods is up there, I really, I really, I know. Very honestly, I've never seen Do the Right Thing, so I can't like. I know that's meant to be amazing, but well, it's, spoilers. Uh, that's we'll be covering. That's that coming up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure we'll have a lot of Spike Lee to talk about then. Yeah, like, I mean, but, that, he, um, he's definitely a filmmaker. That I've seen a lot of his work. I've, yeah, like, looking at his filmography, I've probably seen half. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Like, time. So I'd like to kind of when we watch that film, I'd kind of want to watch uh, jump around a bit, a few more, and just to kind of get a bit more, um, like yeah, more of yeah. his earlier ones, like. Uh, there's so much of his early ones i just don't i don't know you know i just don't know at all yeah my my kind of goes from clockers onwards that's kind of what i know of his work really but um yeah i know um summer of sam i know clockers uh malcolm x 25 25th hour kind of thing wasn't inside man like i think girl six is meant to be like one of the worst films that came out that year allegedly (laughs) so i'm interested to watch that yeah yeah, it's it's just he's just got a huge, huge like um, you know, filmography. Really, he's prolific as hell, and um, and Duff Blood is everything you want out of a Spike Lee film. Yeah. It's got everything in it. And no, no, is. you can't say Spike Lee film. Spike Lee joint. There you sure. go. Yeah, yeah, you've either yeah, got you're pictures right. or joints. Pictures or joints. <laughs> I don't think you say joints in the accent. No. Um. Well, yeah. Watch? So what else did I watch? I watched um underwater is that the uh, one with the girl from Tyler Kirst, Kirsten Stewart no yes Chris, yeah, yeah. I've heard yeah, this yeah. is quite good it's fine I, I love oh. Kirsten Stewart I, I love Kirsten yeah, she's Stewart great. I do I, I, she's one of my favourite actresses working Adventureland and Personal Shopper are yeah. great oh, Personal Shopper's so good uh, yeah, Clouds yeah. of St. Marius is just wonderful Like, um, but she's she's great in this film if to watch it for anything else but her is she's wonderful she's doing a proper kind of ripley-esque you know scorny kind of turn um it's fine you know i'd say like it's it's just you know i enjoyed watching it like it's it's thinks it's alien but it's not quite you know and it's a little little overblown little whatever but it's fine it's worth a watch and i enjoyed it like you know it goes a bit. It goes in places you weren't totally expecting, but then also everything you are expecting. So it's you know. I think I enjoyed it. It came out early this year, so it kind of got lost, didn't it? Or was it? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I think maybe one of the last cinema films. Yeah. this year. Like uh, I feel, I feel bad for her though because like, like same with uh, Robert Pattinson. Like a lot of people like just completely judge her and him on those Twilight films. Yeah. And Which, it just goes to show that the people who complain about them don't watch films because they don't no. see the great work that they've been putting out and they've earned their dues to to do these like to to be in the positions they're at, at now you know yeah, yeah. To, to to be a starring via a character in like a film like that or batman yeah. or whatever and like it's like get over yourself like watch just get films. over it <laughs> and even like 
honestly, Twilight is not as bad as it gets its credit for. We just have a thing in this culture for like really hating stuff teenage girls like. And like that's and it's just another one of those targets that we have. Like teenage girls like this, so this is the worst thing that ever existed. Do you know what? The first Twilight film is is perfectly watchable. It's the fun. second one's a bit <laughs> shit. The third one I actually quite liked. I think that's by oh God. It's by the guy who did um, five. I keep five hundred days of summer. Uh, Thirty <laughs> days of night, the vampire film. Oh sure, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. then, to be fair, the ones that Bill Condon did are pretty, pretty diabolical. <laughs> that's <laughs> but, Breaking but, Dawn, isn't it? I but think. I don't think that's his fault. I think just by that point, the story had kind of. Yeah, yeah, the story it's, is pretty much uh, it's bonkers. But what, it's, it's whatever. Like, like I watch much worse stuff than that. Yeah, <laughs> like, same. It's just, I just get, I just get really fed up with this kind of elitism that you get with stuff yeah. like that. It's not worth it. Um, God, what else? So I'll, I'll bash through these real quickly because I did watch loads. I watched Shirley, the the film about Shirley Jackson, the horror writer, with uh, Elizabeth okay. Moss. Um, her and Michael Stuhlberg are great in it. Um, Odessa Young's really great in it as well. Um, it's good. It's a good film. It's a little. Mm, it's a little bit like it loses its way a little bit, um, but it's just a, a really great kind of performance-led thing. And and um, yeah, I really I would recommend checking that one out. I watched uh, the new Charlie Kaufman film. I'm thinking of ending things. Uh, I good. didn't vibe with this very well at all. No. <laughs> like I didn't like. Um, it's. I think we should. You should watch it, and we'll have a chat about it. I think. Okay. Um, I don't think it's too confusing. I think people think it's too confusing. I think one of the things it does suffer from is it really is a cinema film. I think being on Netflix is really bad. It's um a film that you need to be locked in a dark room, you know, with even the kind of credit scene is tiny text. You know, it's made to be on like a big screen, and I think it. It looks fantastic, you know, and I love Tony Collette, David Thewlis, brilliant in it. But like the film kind of drops off a cliff for me at one point. I think you might notice that, like yourself. Do you but, think uh, he? Do you think he's a director? I mean, like we all know that his best work is with other directors, be that mm-hmm. like Spike mm-hmm. uh, Spike Jones or um, Michel Gondry. Yeah. yeah. But that said, I did actually like. Um, Synoptica in New York. Synoptica, was... yeah. I think Synoptica is still his best. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think my my problem with the film was, honestly, there was large portions of the film that I was like, this isn't as interesting as you think it is. Like, your dialogue's not as interesting as you think it is. It's not as engaging as you think it is. Like, um, there's, there's something else there, you know. There's something not working with it. Whereas... And I love Eternal Sunshine being John Malkovich, an adaptation. I just love those films. Even Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, I love it. Like, it, um, I like Charlie Kaufman. I just, you know, I just didn't really vibe with this film, really. Didn't Clooney change the ending of that? Like, and I think um, Kaufman got really pissy about it. That sounds Cause, like Kaufman. Because I think, cause I think <laughs> George Clooney said it was a perfect script, so I had to make it. And then Kaufman's like, well, if it's so perfect, why didn't you do my why ending? Didn't yeah, yeah, that sounds like Charlie Kaufman. My biggest sin is I still haven't watched um, Anomalisa yet, which is crazy considering what I do for a living. That's and true. I own it. That's true. I own it, but I still haven't watched it. And I think I was just put like I listened to him on the um, like the circuit rounds for that, and like talking to like Mark Commode and stuff like that. Uh, and they just I was going to say this. So arrogant. That and, honestly, that interview put me off that film, and it really was, put me like, off watching it. Yeah, it, it really do, did. Like. What was it they ask yeah. about? Some they they said something and they just described cinema 
And like it was just you an asshole. Well, animation like, is just a, a series, series of, of moving pitch, pictures. Pitch, like, it's like fuck off, <laughs> like, fuck off. That's what all cinema is. You just like, <laughs> like it doesn't actually move. <laughs> no, it, like it causes the illusion of movement or something. They were like, and it's like fuck off. Yeah. Like really, <laughs> really put me off it. I know that's really pathetic, but <laughs> and the last one, um, I watched New Mutants by Josh Boone. Any good? I. I think I kind of liked it. I think <laughs> um, it has so many problems. It has so many problems. This film does. It, it's not like mainly the accents are some of the worst things ever. Like it's like I don't even know why they attempted some of the accents. Like is it as I bad love... as Haunting on Hill House or no? What's it called? Haunting on Blythe Manor. <laughs> Blythe Manor, it's called. <laughs> it's like a Charlie Charlie Heaton plays like a. A guy from Kentucky, Charlie Heaton's from like Bristol or something, and like is he, he the one who's from uh, Stranger Things? No. Yes, he is. He he's is. He's friends yeah, yeah, with yeah. my friend Tom. Actually, he knows him. He's in a. Oh, is he it? was in a band. Yeah, yeah. His his accent is film all. Is it bad? It's like what's what's going on? I'll pass on your your critiques <laughs> no. to him. <laughs> and uh, Maisie Williams, I love Maisie, but she's great. Her Scottish accent is okay. Um, and Anna Taylor Joy, I love Anna Taylor Joy. Um, her American, ac- her Russian accent is oh dear god. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like because it's like three of them like that. It's it, it kind of they compound to each other. Do you know what I mean? Like it, mm. they all gets a bit worse. And and it, it just be, and I think actually Maisie Williams' accent might not be too bad, but because you're so used to how she talks and like in Game of Thrones, it was just a bit like why are you Scottish? <laughs> like what's going on here? <laughs> Um, and like New Mutants, uh, the the fucking production of this film is in, insanity. You know, like um, basically, like dur- God, I can try and sum up, but during production, basically, Fox decided that they didn't want to have like Josh Boone's original vision. They wanted more of a young adult kind of coming of age film. Um, so that's so he changed on set and changed his shooting and, and edited towards that. Um, and then it came out. This is how long ago oh, this no. is. And it came out, and it was a successful like horror with like teens in it. So Fox went back to him and went, um, "Can you actually just play up your horror elements? Actually, and make it more of a horror film." And Josh Boone's like, "That's what I wanted to shoot. That's what like it was gonna be." So like, sure, okay, we'll do that. Um, and then like it just kind of they then moved it to avoid Deadpool two. Uh, they then they they had to kind of try and piece in. Uh, reshoots, I think. Um, Did they even do but, the reshoots? I think there's like conflicting. Well, no, because they, beca- they didn't. They didn't do the reshoots, as far as I can tell, because they kept on moving it to try and like not be to kind of not get in trouble. They were scared of like any news coming out of reshoots. People would like look at it like Fantastic Four, that it like but, big reshoots kind of ruin the film. But the thing but is, this was reshoots have... with Josh Boone on 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 with them as well. But reshoots have been part of films since forever do you know what i mean it's not I know. Like, people think it's a dirty thing like it happens like you know a lot of f- filmmakers they make they'll probably make so like 90 85 to 90 percent of their film yeah. edit it see where they're at and then th- then they know okay well i definitely need that i definitely need that. i want to play this so i won't bother with that but i want to yeah. play this up a bit more and i think you know not every you know a lot of fil- like smaller budget films probably tend not to reshoot but like definitely like the bigger tentpole films they have like a a contingency plan, don't they, in case they have to kind yeah. of like... Yeah. But 
But I guess with but this then one, like, like you've got other elements coming in, like um, the Essex. What they call the Essex Corporation were big things in in New Mutants. Uh, Essex Corporation is Mister Sinister. You might remember the end of was it Apocalypse? Um, I think it's John Hamm is playing Mister Sinister, so he was I, meant to be in this. Was it John Hamm? Because or was it, was it uh, Bri- Brian Cranston? I know Brian Cranston was in talks. Uh, Brian Cranston. I'm sure John Hamm got like casted or something, but okay. like, but anyway, like. He was meant to kind of be in this. And because Apocalypse flopped so much, they kind of went, can you not do that? So then, like, that was another kind of change to the whole kind of structure of it. Um, they were then going to shoot an after credit sequence for this with Antonio Banderas was going to be in it. He was going to be Sunspot's father. Um, but then later that got kind of written out because of because basically um, everything started getting bought by Disney. So they didn't know what was going to happen with X- X-Men movies. Uh, okay. Uh, because uh, Kintberg, the guy who did Phoenix, he was saying that um, there was also a Gambit film that had basically just about to shoot, and I think Mr. Sinus was meant to be in that as well, or or either, or I don't know, it's all kind of confusing. But then basically just Disney buy it, everything just gets shelved, Disney are not interested in releasing anything, so all the reshoots get shelved because Disney aren't going to put any money into shooting reshoots. Eventually, when Disney start talking to them again about trying to make this film happen and work... They're like, okay, do your reshoots, make it more like you wanted it to be. This sounds like a good idea to do a horror film. At that point, it's like 2019, and these child actors look a hell of a lot different than they did when they shot the film in like 2016. Like, so at that point, Boom was just like, fuck it, I'm out. I've I've moved on from this project. I'm doing other work now. I think he's doing um, the Stand TV shows. Oh, is he? Oh, cool. And he's just like, look, I'm out. I shot it. It was years ago. They we can't do reshoots unless we shoot the whole film again because they don't. The actors don't look the same. It's done, kind of. So at some point, this just kind of got slowly released during this year. Really, um, there was also talks that they they stalled for ages because there was a talk about putting this film into the MCU as like the first X Men MCU film. So there was a lot of talks about Sounds what like the reshoots were going to be idea. and stuff. And yeah, it would have been a really bad idea. You want um, your first X-Men film, I'm sorry, in the Marvel Universe. You want to go out all guns blazing, don't you? You want to be like, mm. here's Cyclops, here's Jean Grey, here's, you know. You want to do but that, I wouldn't, though. even saying that, like the film is quite like, almost like a bottle show, I'd call it. It's it's set in like one house. Oh yeah, it's I know set, what you like, mean, yeah. Is it, what do they um, call them, a bottleneck? Is it but just... Yeah, I think bottle show they think they call them in tv but it's just when they've got no money left and they just yeah yeah they just use the sets they have like yeah um but so it is like basically just one you know location and you could do like a a, an idea of a smaller like superhero film that's actually more of a horror um to kind of release like mutants into the mcu isn't the worst idea Mm. like it's just a slow release thing it's not the worst thing ever um and actually like because of that, the film does like lack, like uh, you know, it lacks a kind of knowing what it wants to be. It doesn't know if it's a horror film. It doesn't know if it's like a coming of age story. Um, and because of that, it kind of wavers a little bit. You kind of just get the sense of it wavering a little. But <laughs> like, um, it it's like a superhero film that actually accepts that people are like, like. Like especially like teenagers, they're like sexual and have attraction to each other, which is something that you never see in these mm. Marvel films. Like, oh yeah, a, everyone's yeah, everyone's everyone's just like you know like mannequins basically. They 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 have some character depth to them. There's an on-screen lesbian relationship that's very just played, just kind of you know out there. It's not hidden or kind of hushed or anything. It's just a nice coming-of-age lesbian relationship. It works really well. Like and. 
And because of that, I was like, you kind of watching going, I don't hate this. This could have worked. I can see where this can work with it. I like the idea of a superhero film being more of a horror thing rather than just being this kind of cut and paste superhero films of like the Marvel stuff where everything kind of feels the same. That's mm. not a bad idea at all. Um, and like one of the things, and I think you already like this, and I think it's always, always the way you've kind of dealt with superpowers as well, is the superpowers in this aren't like a plot device. Like, and that's always the way the superhero powers are treated yeah, in these films. Yeah. Like, they're actually, they're, they're kind of written as just a manifestation of the characters themselves. It's like, it doesn't matter what their powers are. It actually matters who they are. Yeah, and yeah. the powers are, are, are like it doesn't matter. We'll we'll find a way to solve the big bad with whatever powers you give us. You know, it doesn't matter. They're just they're just a character thing, and it does. And it's written like that, and it works like that. And I think that's good. And I, I kind of I miss it. Yeah, I like it in superhero stuff. And so there was a lot of stuff I did like about it. And I'm not ready to say it was awful. <laughs> I kind of liked it. I think horror is a good way to use super superpowers. Yeah. Because- like if you ever like whenever i've treated it in the stuff that we've made like my biggest inspiration has always been the x-files in regards to using superpowers because it's right. freaky and it's a bit weird yeah 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 so yeah, you yeah, should yeah. treat it as such i think do you know what i mean Not, yeah. it's like you know it's always razzle dazzle and i think you know if someone can contort their body or i don't know like do all kind of weird shit it's it's freaky yeah. and weird do you know what i mean yeah I agree, and like um, I, I far more enjoyed watching this than I. Ha- I, I like the. I'm a big defender of the X Men films. Um, There's some great Apocalypse, ones. The first Apocalypse two, and Phoenix for shit. <laughs> but like, um, like but, the first one's okay. The second one's really good. But yeah, new, uh, new, is it? first class was great, and first I really class, liked. Awesome, yeah. Days of Future Past, I past, love. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I love Logan. I love the second. You know, the Wolverine. I love that film. Yeah, yeah. Um, the first one. Yeah. But like, um, hey, our friends like, in that one. <laughs> I know, I know. But it doesn't make it better. <laughs> but like, I, I'm gonna, I, I will. I liked. The, I would have liked this film. I think more if they'd allowed it to be more of what Matt, uh, Josh Boone wanted Boone to was. do. Um, and uh, I think I'm gonna miss the X Men films when they get just get marvelled. Really, Disney Marvel. Do you know? I think yeah. they're not going to be the same type of thing. And I think there's there was something in this that I liked, and it could have worked a bit better than it did. And I'll defend it a little bit. It's definitely the best X Men film for a long time. Do you know what <laughs> I, I really wish? And I, I like like just the nerd in me. I would have loved to have seen Hugh Jackman in that proper Wolverine suit just yeah, once. Sure, it, sure, sure. Because there was like a, a deleted scene where you see him with the uh, yellow and brown kind of yellow brown yeah. blacky suit and um just love to have seen him in that just 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 the once. Just once. <laughs> just <I don't> once. <laughs> and I did get I kinda got really excited when um uh uh oh god Lockheed the dragon's name. Yeah L- Lockheed. Uh, um, from I, that I know from the comics, like normally with Kitty Pride, don't know why Lockheed's with magic in this, but uh, what doesn't matter. I got quite excited when Lockheed came out and oh, Lockheed was in it, and that's that's it? kind of what you want. Is that's cool. yeah, yeah, and like that's kind of as like a comics books fan, those are little things that get you a bit excited. Characters you really like, and actually seeing them on screen gets you feeling something. So, was I like Kitty Pride in the films? She well, she she was paid by um by Elliot. Oh, um, yes. I can't, can't remember his surname now. Paige. <laughs> Paige, thank you, yeah. Um, I love Kitty Pride. Um, she's my favourite X-Men character, I think, actually. Yeah, Got a bit I mean, shafted by the films because um, because should have been the main character in Days of Future Past, not Wolverine. Well, yeah, exactly. But, but oh well. Like, 
Yeah, because she's just in the future bits, isn't she? And then there's like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a rogue cut where I think Kitty Pride kind of gets too tired, so they get rogue out or something like that. Something like that. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I think you're I've right. I've never seen. I haven't seen that version. No. Anyway, Kitty Pride, great character. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that's me blabbering on about every film I've watched. Like, have you actually watched any? Yeah, I just I just rewatched some stuff. I um, I got the 4K set of Dawn of the Dead, so I rewatched Dawn of the Dead. Um, I mean, there's nothing much more to say about Dawn of the Dead. It's just the granddaddy of all zombie films, really, isn't it? And sure. It's the one that I think they still to this day aspire to be. And um, yeah. the thing is, never yeah. really matched it. I don't think you know. Shaun of the Dead's definitely like is the only one in my head that kind of is you know on par with that because i think he's a great i think sean the dead's great um but like uh dawn of the dead is just fantastic i love it bits yeah um, I think. uh like i wouldn't say the performances or anything to write home about but like okay yeah, yeah, yeah but the tone of it is just fantastic and the message behind it and um the music is rad and the the gore effects <laughs> and there's a pie fight in it and i mean a zombie film with a like they get to a point with the zombies where it's just like well, it's quite easy just cutting them up and shooting them up let's yeah. just throw pies at because <laughs> they're kind of what i kind of liked about it that it was like the horror films but like he was always making a social message oh yeah exactly them. yeah yeah and i like that well so the first one was kind of like about race wasn't it and then yeah totally and then this one's, one's like about what, consumerism, consumerism yeah. yeah and i think uh, what's the third one is it it's definitely about the military and kind of... Oh, probably is, yeah. Yeah, something about that. The third one, I think, is a bit... Is one of the weaker ones, I think. There's some good moments in it, but you can definitely tell that he probably needed more money to do... To pull off what he wanted to do, I think, with that one. I think the third one was the first one I saw, I think. It probably was. It's it the Bob first one the Zomb- Is that what they call him? Bob the Zombie, is that his name? Bob or Bub or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, the first one I ever saw but there's a bit where some zombie arms like they come through the wall mm. and it's like the wall doesn't look like brick or m- mortar it just looks like paper that they're tearing through and I'm not sure if that's intentional <laughs> but it looks pretty dumb um, what else did I watch uh, oh because it was Thanksgiving the other day I rewatched Planes, Trains and Automobiles which cool. in my mind is I think it's I think it could be a perfect film I think it's yeah, just yeah I think that's fair yeah but like I was it, reading up about it, and there's so and many. It is a like, Thanksgiving film, not a Christmas film. A lot of people in this country would say it's a Christmas film. Well, I always treat it as a Christmas film because you know, because we don't have Thanksgiving exactly. But um, it's just fantastic, and like I was reading up about it, and uh, apparently the original cut was like double the length, and there was like a whole wow. subplot where his wife uh, Neil Page, played by um, uh, what's his face, Steve uh, Martin. See Martin, sure. She believes that he's having an affair, and that's why he got a different plane. And uh, <laughs> that's why, at the end of the film, she looks so relieved to see that um, John Candy's character is real, because then she real she believes her husband. Then, oh, I see. So I yeah, see. so um, there's loads of other deleted stuff in there as well. Like um, he, like Neil, finds out that Dell's wife had passed away a lot earlier in the film. Whereas in the film they make it out like he's sitting on the train and he kind of comes to the realisation. He's like, oh shit, his wife isn't with us anymore. Do you know what I mean? And and, uh, I think, but I think sometimes these little, these things make for a better film though. Like, I agree. In the end. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah. even though I'd kind of like to see these kind of things. And yeah, there's loads of different, uh, loads I, of extra I can't, bits. I can't, um, I can't go off presuming that the people who made it didn't know what they were doing when they cut it together. Yeah. Like, they, they must have had reasons. So I have to presume there was, that made it a better film. But the, what they did people also need to realize as well that editing is just like another another draft of writing another the tool. screenplay yeah. because like i guarantee you when john hughes was writing that film there's probably stuff that he tore out and threw across oh, the room because he didn't tons, want to use yeah. and like you know editing is no different really you still and you i just... think i think we get hung up about the fact that if something's shot it's more real as well yeah. Like so like and there's nothing like basically like you were saying him tearing pages out of a script is as much as like a, a filmmaker deciding not to put it in the edit. It's as, yeah. as much as just it doesn't exist, you know, it doesn't it's not needed. And it's kind of funny if it's filmed we go like no but this lost footage it needs to be put in and I, it I still think it, it doesn't, like, if it's possible put it on the DVD or Blu-ray cuz you know it might be interesting to watch but 9 times out of the 10 like I remember like when I found out Dumb and Dumber, there was a three-hour cut, and I was like, oh, I yeah. can't wait. I'd love to see this deleted footage. And I remember watching the deleted footage when they came out with like the 10th anniversary disc, and I was like thinking, well, I can see why that was deleted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just looking at the Planes, Trains, and Automobiles wiki page, and someone has done a map of their journey from, like, is it Wisconsin or something they start in? Or uh, Chicago? I don't know. But, yeah. like... Uh, well, they're trying to get back to Chicago, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, and and uh, they they show they they've got a little map of the actual journey they take, which is kind of <laughs> kind of fun. Um, check it out. <laughs> but yeah, that's all I've watched. Well, I, well, I actually watched uh, the new episodes of How the Movies, no, the movies that made us, or whatever it's called, on Netflix. Okay. So they've released two Christmas ones. So one's on The Nightmare Before Christmas, and one's on okay. Elf. But I, I don't. I, think, I don't think Nightmare Before Christmas is a Christmas film. I think it's a Halloween film. I disagree, but anyway, <laughs> it's about a character wanting to take over Christmas. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think it's about Christmas. The end of the story isn't how good Christmas is. Yeah, but majority it's... of the film is built is all building up to Christmas, and then yeah, he has the realization, "I'm the king of Halloween. That's what I should do." But I still think it's a Christmas film, okay. in my opinion. <laughs> what about Die Hard? Oh, don't get me started on that one. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Moving on. I don't think it's a Christmas film, but anyway. No. <laughs> um, yeah, that's me. And done. what was the other one? Oh, oh, Elf was the other one. But the problem with these okay. documents—they're really so irritating to watch because they have a, a narrator, and they make oh. it very jovial, and they kind of take bits of edits to make it look awkward and stuff like that and i prefer it when you see a documentary it's the people who worked on the project telling the story and then the editor then kind of makes that the narrative whereas they have when yeah, they have like, yeah, yeah. i don't know if you've ever seen the toys that made us it's basically the same i have seen the toys that made us i never watched the movies one but it's i watched the, the toy one the toy one's frustrating because they don't actually go because you know me i love toys and mm-hmm. i but the reason why i love toys is because it's all about sculpting and the process of making yeah. it which they never go into that. It's never about the minutiae of toys. Which That's is true. probably boring to most people. So if you watch the Ninja Turtle one, then they probably actually talk about the toys for about two minutes in the whole episode. And it's more about the turtles. Which for me, like... You know I don't, it all. I know it all, but I don't... I, 
the cartoon and that, I don't really like, you know, I have no nostalgia for the cartoon and stuff like that. It's, it's those uh, okay. toys that I I have nostalgia for because of, you know, memories I had of getting those toys and stuff like that. And, um, yeah. and just the actual sculpts of them, like, you know, uh, but they never go into that. And maybe that's because it's not interesting to other people, but... Um, but I did I actually should, find some interesting toys that made this. I think it should talk about that kind yeah. of stuff, though. But um, I did find some interesting stuff out about the um, Nightmare Before Christmas and uh, Elf. So they are worth a watch, though. Did you find out it wasn't directed by Tim Burton? Oh, God, don't get me started. Do you, remember, <laughs> do you remember when I got in an argument with Keith from yes. the local pub when we did a the pub the quiz? Pub quiz at Christmas many, many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and he was not he was not having it and you were like waving your phone at him going look it's not directed by Tim Burton <laughs> well that that comes up into it a lot to be honest like how um, you know yeah the seeds came from Tim Burton but it was it it's was, a Henry Selleck film it's a Henry Selleck really, film yeah yeah yeah, Tim Burton was on set like once wasn't he like it's it's not yeah, fair pretty to much. so much about it and Henry Selleck is a genius, so mm. that's why most of that stuff comes from. And it's a Danny Elfman stuff as well. Like those two combinations is what makes those films. Also, the screenwriter of that film was Danny Elfman's partner at the time, and they oh, were really? together. So when he was writing the music, she was writing the script. Wonderful. That's really that's probably why it works and, so well as well. And he was he the the one thing I found interesting was this was around the time that he kind of was like ready to kind of disband Oingo Boingo. Hmm. And so, if you listen to the lyrics of the song, they're back, stuff, aren't they? This year, by the way, didn't they? No, the it's not Oingo Boingo. It's just Danny Elfman doing stuff. But it's oh, but, okay. but it sounds a lot like. Sure. I mean, a lot of his stuff sounds like Oingo Boingo anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, do you know makes what I mean? sense. But yeah, I've watched that video. It's called Happy. It's quite a freaky, weird video. Okay. Um, but like, if you listen to the lyrics, it's very kind of. Um, about what he's going through about wanting to do something different and be someone else and things like that okay yeah sure yeah yeah that makes sense that works for the film yeah and they just put put it in that's really cool you know that theory that all films about like the filmmakers oh yeah even how wild they are yeah that really works for that I love and like shout out to Henry Selleck I love Henry Selleck and he's meant to be having a new film coming out for like I don't know it's, it's finished. Talk, but ten from, years. I from what I gather, like. what I gather, it's finished, but it's just been shelled or something for a long time, and it's a shame. I think this year didn't help, but I'm sure it was picked up by Netflix as well. Yeah, there's something weird that it's been shelved or just, just kind of forgotten about, or it's almost finished, something like that, and it just can't get the funding or something like that. I'll have to look into it, but I know there's something weird going on with that. I just had a quick look and basically they were doing post-production on animation and then the COVID-19 hit. Um, So they've had to kind of move, they had to move offices as well um, to Portland. And obviously Portland this year has been uh, (laughs) an issue. So they've said here that they've suffered through um, fires because of the huge forest fires, COVID, and a lot of political and social unrest in the city as well, which has all kind of just made them struggle to kind of get the film finished. But yeah, sure. um, Jordan Peele and Keenan Michael Key are like the the leads of it. I'm, I'm sure really there was an, I'm sure there was another film that he was working on or something that just didn't happen. There was a few like he definitely had a few that was announced and they just kind of didn't happen. Well, yeah, 2009 was Coraline, so it's yeah, been it's a, a long while ago. time. Yeah. 
And I mean, he's he's never had a bad film. So they um, really, they, like, I love James and the Giant Peach a lot. Like, they do talk about that, like uh, I mean, not James and the Giant Peach, but they talk about um, that that Nightmare Before Christmas was such a flop, and you know, it was never talked about afterwards and stuff. But it's like it must have been. It must Disney must have saw something in it because Tim Burton produces, and Henry yeah. Selick directs that film so like that documentary it kind of picks and chooses what it kind of i was gonna say that that film made money back at box office that wasn't a flop it made like it was, it was budget was like 24 million it made 91 at the box office. yeah exactly like, they kind of they kind of like i said they kind of create their own little narrative that it was like this forgotten gem that 20 years later that I don't think but that's it, totally true. It's, it's kids who went to go see it as well. Like, it's, like basically, it's all the kids that went to go and see yeah. it. They got a bit older and could then buy shit. So then yeah, they... could buy buy shit exactly. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, exactly that's what it that. Is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just couldn't buy stuff because we were kids. <laughs> I think the singer from AFI just bought all every single um, <laughs> piece of merchandise. What was his name again? Danny something. Yeah, Danny know. Evil, I think. No, he's, he doesn't sure. know. Havoc. Baby Havoc. Havoc. We no, should know. We saw them like three times. We did. We saw them at GAY. Do you remember we that? We did, yeah, yeah. It was a good show. And, uh, was when he hiked and fell show. off the show yeah. stage. And I'll never forget that Like, it had to finish early because A Star were playing afterwards. <laughs> like, <laughs> so you got all these goth kids leaving GAY and and then like the cra- the normal crowd trying to come in to see A Stars. I just always remember that. They're <laughs> called A Stars. Did I make that up? I don't know. All Star, I don't yeah. know. Something, I think something like that. I don't know. Some forgotten boy band anyway. Anyway, what we talk, what 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 year are we focusing on today? We've rambled on for about. We have rambled on for ages. Uh, we're talking about 1953, actually. So uh, 1953. Have you got opinions on any films from that year? I know Peter Pan came out this year to do our Disney roundup. <laughs> like, yeah, there's quite a few good ones actually. So you've got the Big Heat. You got. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Is that got, um who who's the lead of that actually? Is, is it both? No, it's Glenn is Ford, it? isn't it? Glenn Ford, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's directed Lang by film, Fritz yeah. Lang. Yeah, that's insane. I always forget Fritz Lang made Hollywood films. I think of Fritz Lang as just like the silent German filmmaker, mm. and I, I just forget that he made like Talkies in like Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, More? got Shane as well. Like a, you know, that's kind of like referenced on a lot of like modern Western films and stuff like that. Sure. What, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something that came out fairly recently that. Um, He's very it's Alan Ladd, Shane. isn't it? Like, who's the lead of Shane? And I know two things about Alan Ladd. Do you want me yeah. to know two facts about Alan Ladd? Gone. One, I'm pretty sure he was gay. I think that was true. Okay. That might not be a fact, actually. But two is that he was the basis of the Golden Age Green Lantern, um, whose name's gone out of my head, but it's Alan something. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, and so when you see, like, the Golden Age Green Lantern, his white, his kind of, his blonde hair... Alan Scott, um, you mean? Alan Scott, yeah, thank you. You should know that. <laughs> I know, it's just it's gone out of my head. Like, um, his kind of shock of big blonde hair and stuff like that and his build, he's absolutely based on Alan Ladd and that's why he's called Alan Scott as well. And then a few a few years ago when they rebooted uh, Alan Scott, when they rebooted The Golden Age, we don't talk about it because no one cared about it, but they rebooted it and he became like the first gay hero or something. In uh, the, in do, you the, why they, do you think that's why they did it or...? I think that's the connection. That's why I mentioned it. I think there is a connection oh, with that. Okay. Like, I think yeah. he's going to be part of the Green Arrow, Green Arrow, Green Lantern show that they're doing. 
Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, which has got... Um, what's the bowl-headed one? What's his name? Uh, Guy Gardner. Uh, Guy Gardner and a few others. But they're, they're obviously saving um, um, John Stewart and... Uh, Kyle? Kyle. Hal? I, yeah. I, Hal, definitely. I don't know if they'll ever do Kyle. Like Kyle is, a, Kyle is like... He's our generation's... Um, yeah. So... You're gonna to have to wait a few more years, I think, until someone yeah. who is a fan of Kyle will be like, "Nope, Kyle's got to be part of this somewhere." Well, the thing is, I'm I'm a massive fan of Alan Scott for that reason because when I started reading Green Lantern, it was like Alan Scott was the old hero who was like a mentor to like yeah. Kyle Rayner, and like and people looked at him at like this kind of you know crime fighter from like the 40s like a mythic figure kind of thing because Batman and Superman in the universe at that point didn't exist in the 40s so like Alan Scott was like the big hero of like that war period because they'd read another universe so like Alan Scott I've got a lot of love for Alan Scott I really have I really like him as a character I was just thinking Shane uh, the film that was based on Shane is Logan oh right okay it's a secret western Logan is I've heard yeah, that yeah. <laughs> I've never seen Shane. I should watch it actually. Then I know um, so any- Roman Holiday came out this year, which I have seen. I was just looking uh, at that. Yeah, yeah. Gregory Peck and Aubrey Hepburn. That's a good film. It's re- it is yeah. really good. I really enjoyed I've it. Not, it's really quite funny. Yeah, actually. I've not actually seen that one. There's it's a one of few those of those travel log films. Wasn't War of the Worlds out that year as well? Yeah, it was. Yeah, which I think we've all seen. But yeah, um, and I think. Um, do you know they cut uh, they cut they cut the budget on that because of the obviously they're meant to be triffids aren't they and they walk on um, tripods tri- triffids what the fuck am I talking about tripods <laughs> that walk on three legs so to get away with that they just made them fly because it would cost too much money to have oh. them like walking and stuff <laughs> I don't think I ever noticed that they didn't have there weren't tripods in it I don't think yeah. that ever occurred I think you see the aliens later on I don't know if they're stop motion or something I can't, I, I I don't know if I've got like a um, a Mandela effect of seeing them in that film. But right, I yeah, remember. yeah. There's that many I, versions or that many horror, like, alien films around this time that they kind of all kind of... Merged together a little bit. I agree. I think the only other film I know came out that year, but I haven't seen it, but I, I, it was almost going to be like the film we watched, actually, this this, this week was the Toko story. Um, oh, okay. Like that. Uh, it's about, like, um, it's, like, one of the great Japanese films like a romance um and so i might try and check that out actually if i got some spare time i mean i guess I watch it. just some other ones to know of uh, note i guess calamity jane oh cool yeah, um, yeah, yeah house of wax oh god yeah do you remember the remake of that with yes pa- paris hilton is it I <laughs> yeah think? i think so yeah yeah uh the wild one. Oh, okay yeah and the cruel sea those are ones that kind of stick oh, out to me cruel sea well actually quite a big year then compared to like as you were saying last year you yeah you, last year you know what i mean we're yeah. struggling to find so. <laughs> <laughs> but we're, we're doing none of them instead we are covering the film the hitchhiker i told you my name what's yours mine's gilbert bowen he's roy collins what do you do for a living i'm a draftsman he runs a garage that makes you smarter or does it? You ought to be all over that windshield. You got lucky, it hit an empty chamber. I had to use it a while back. Now don't make any more fast moves. I told you the last guy made that mistake. Mm-hmm. 
So, um, The Hitchhiker, directed in 1953, is a film noir by Ida Lupina. Ida? Ida? I think it's mm-hmm. Ida, isn't it? Ida Lupino. Um, it's a very simple story. Two fishing buddies uh, pick up a hitchhiker, and the hitchhiker's not a nice guy. <laughs> like, and he <laughs> forces them to kind of do what he says. Um, but um, it's worth talking, really. It'll give some background and context before we go into the plot, really, about... Um, about Ida Lupino more than anyone else, but um, do you know? Do you know anything about her or anything? Like I know her? she's a Brit. She is a Brit. Yeah, yeah she is yeah. absolutely. Like, and I know she London, kind of. She only got into like directing because a film that she was working on was kind of like falling apart or something, and so she kind of like, yes. stepped in to kind of like take on the role. Yeah, and like this yeah. film, I think, is like her first like non-female social kind of. Yeah, like. It's definitely the first noir ever made by a woman. Yeah, I read that, yeah. Uh, But yes, yeah, in 1949 it was. There was a film called Not Wanted, which was a small independent film about a child, um, about a girl having a child out of wedlock. Uh, The director, who was um, Elmar Clifton, I believe his name was, he he suffered a minor heart attack shortly shortly after filming had actually begun. So on set, she jumped in to to direct it. Uh, And... um, she never got. She ghost directed it. Basically, it never got released under her name or anything like that. But because she managed to kind of take that step at that point, she started being able to kind of craft out getting more director jobs and things, which is kind of crazy, really. Um, but like, uh, as you were saying, she was um, at this point she was the only woman working in directing in Hollywood. There had been um, there had been one other director of note since the 20s uh before the 20s there was loads of women working in cinema but after the 20s there only been one cinema one one um, director actually working who was dorothy arsner and she was directing between like the 20s and the 40s uh then she was directing a film called first comes courage in 1943 uh which was about like a it's like a it's about like um the Norwegian war in World War Two, but it was meant, I think it's meant to be like a quite a feminist take on it or something. But it's just, I just thought it's interesting background that she was directing this film in 1943. She gets ill on that set and she can't finish it. And because she got ill on that set, she never got to do another film. And that oh, was man. the last time Dorothy Arsner ever directed. And like, so between 1943 and then this film, 1953, not one woman directed a film in Hollywood. Um, well, not 1940, because she, I mean, up until... Up until Ida Lupina started directing films in about 1950, no, no other women were working, and they were just seen as like not reliable enough on set, like they weren't like able to kind of control sets or not able to kind of uh, direct their own pictures or, and they and they even like um, they didn't have the desire to and stuff. It's uh, it's kind of mental, really. Well, what's cool so, about her is she she formed her own studio, though, didn't she? Yeah, she and did. Yeah, she named it Emerald uh, Productions, which. Because her parents were both stage and screen actors, weren't they, in the early days? Yeah. So, yeah, I, think yeah, yeah. She, so I think she named it after her mom's uh, stage name. Oh, that's awesome. That's pretty cool. I know that they shot this with her husband at the time. Uh, their their production company were called The Filmmakers, I think, with just one M. I think that's okay. what this film was released under. So yeah, she, she was must born. have had several uh, She probably did have companies. several, yeah. I'm, I'm sure she did. She was an actress before she started directing. She's quite a prolific actress, really. Um, she'd done a number of projects since the 30s. I think uh, the story goes is that her first ever role, her mom took her to an audition, not to audition her, but her mom was auditioning and took her along. And she got the role instead of her mom. 
I don't understand that story because <laughs> I don't understand how that's possible. But uh, that's that's the kind of that's the you know the tale of how she got her first role in acting. And she'd done stuff like she worked on um, Adventures of Sherlock Holmes with like um, Basil Rathburn and stuff like that. And she started just having this kind of series of just regular acting jobs. She was uh, hired by Warner Brothers. She was she was on contract to Warner Brothers. But what started kind of happening with the Warner Brothers is they hated her, basically. She'd started getting like a a, a, a reputation of being like um, kind of objectable and a bit like like spirited and a bit and having like an opinion. So right. um, she started kind of objecting to certain castings. She started refusing roles. She started saying that that was below me as, you know, that's beneath my dignity. She started making script revisions that she said was unacceptable and stuff. And and then basically at the end of uh, Warner Bros, she spent most of her time in contract just suspended. They just basically suspended her. Um, after she, in 1942, she rejected a role with uh, Ronald Reagan in the King's Row and she just rejected that film and they just, instead of like doing anything, they just suspended her until her contract ran out. And I wonder then, like, if she she refused to do the Reagan one because of like her political stance and stuff like that. I don't know because obviously he's quite he's quite outspoken and stuff like that. Yeah, I think I don't know if this was before he was in charge of the Actors Guild, but he right. definitely was seen as like a political figure, some yeah. like a, a spokesperson. Yeah, but she just had a bit of a. She just knew what she wanted. You know, she knew how she wanted to be portrayed. She knew what roles she liked. She knew what roles were good for her. She wasn't just she wasn't someone who just took every role that was there you know and that's not what you did in the studio system in that time and it just you know it caused her to have a bit of a reputation and eventually she gets picked up by 20th century fox and that's you know as we say she took over directing of that film and like then she started being able to get enough clout to do her own films then um uh, her first film was called never fear which is slightly autobiographical it's about like a woman with polio and i think she had polio as a kid um the um then she did a film called Outrage that was 1950. There's a good reason we didn't do that film on the podcast because it's the first Hollywood film about rape. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so like you can see that straight away she's doing issue films. They called them like you know like about social issues and stuff. And so yeah, the first one about polio, this one about rape, and um and then she did just after that she did Hard, Fast and Beautiful in 1951, which was about a um a domineering mother pushing her daughter to be a tennis superstar and stuff. Uh, and like, and I, I can never believe how fast they just got these films out in that time. But um, then, like, they weren't successful enough that she was able to then do this. And in the same year she made this film, she also made uh, The Bigamist, which is a uh, more of a sentimental romantic film as well. Um, it's the the Hitchhiker. It's um, it was considered quite brutal, really, as a film for the day. Uh, quite a brutal kind of. Uh, a uh, depiction of like uh, a film noir and things something well, that i don't think women should direct you know people they, you know they they would say kind of thing well it's based on a true story isn't it and uh yeah 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 so um apparently the, the guy murdered five cook he murdered five people six is it six yeah. but i know in the film it, they had to tone it down for censors to be the three people even though you don't see them no they just they just screen, say it? it so like why you have to censor the night like the amount of deaths, like, why is five worse than three? Like, if you're just saying it, I don't understand why you'd have to censor just saying it. It's yeah, bizarre. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It, th- those kind of rules about what made a film decent and stuff like that, I think it's really hard to get into the mindset of what they ever thought about it. Mm. Um, 
But she was a uh, she did her own research about the William Cook case. She got yeah, quite she obsessed with it. She was guy, talking to kind of like or the, the two guys, two of the guys that were that were uh, kidnapped or not kidnapped. Yeah, but like she interviewed them to get their story to put it into the film and things. Um, and because this was like you know a, one a film torn from the headlines kind of thing, and two a woman directing it, it got quite a lot of kind of uh, uh, you know quite a lot of attention at the time. And quite a lot, and just seen as a bit of a curiosity, I guess. Like, like you know, a woman directing a, a film like this that doesn't have a female character in it at all. It's like the entire cast. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's um, I was going to say, like, it's very soon after the events, wasn't it? As well, like, it, I think yeah. the guy was arrested or caught in '52, and that's when they shot, shot the film. And I think <laughs> he only got executed like a few months before the film even was released. I think. Which is kind of crazy, really, isn't it? Like, but this kind of... To... It's very similar how uh, the first film that we talked... Well, not the film we talked about in the last miniseries. Wonder. With, um, not Wonder. Um, Mikey and Nicky. Okay. And yeah. how that was a very kind of male-centric film. Yeah. And yeah. by a directed by a female director. And yeah. this is another a very male-centric film yeah. directed by a female director. And it's definitely a film as well that's look using this kind of story about like um, a crime aggression, but using it to kind of look at the relationship between the men and mm. how men react and stuff. That's clearly what she was interested in this and why why she kind of wanted to film it. Really, uh, she was um she was known to be quite a tough director on set. Like uh, she um she would be kind of take no shit from the actors like if they were kind of moaning or want to do more takes she was very much like you know we have no budget we have two like two days to film this like just shut up and do your job kind of thing like and uh one thing that i thought she says about directing which i thought was really um eye-opening i guess is the fact that she would pretend to know less around the men on set so like if she was trying to get like the cameraman to do something she'd pretend that she doesn't really know what she was asking for and then they would kind of like educate her or kind of feel more like happier to talk to her about stuff um, right, okay. to get to get the stuff in like and she said that if she went up there as like telling them exactly what to do knowing exactly what she wanted they would react really badly and she wouldn't get the stuff from them yeah almost so in like me concept like women know their place and you yeah know, we're yeah. happy to talk down to them but if they talk up to us then we're not taking that kind of not that taking that of, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Um, she was clearly really smart. She understood people, you know. She understood how to work, and she understood how to get the best of what she wanted. I, I thought that was really a, a eye-opening. Is probably the wrong word, but I, I know what I mean. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think, like, really after this film, she she only did two more films. To say, the bigger miss came out this year, which is a bit of a uh, it's a tale about adultery. And then the trouble with angels came out in 1966, which was a huge break after 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 1953, which was a bit of a coming of age drama. Uh, she never made another film after that. She it did seems work like in she TV went more, though. I was going like, to say she went more into TV, didn't she? Mm. And um, I know she directs. She's one of the only people that directed and starred in uh, the Twilight Zone. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that because like I didn't know that until after I'd watched this, and I kept on thinking of the Twilight Zone when I was watching this. There, like the, when you watch those early black and white Twilight Zones, the way this is shot and the kind of starkness of it, and the way it's always like, um, yeah, just the starkness and barrenness, almost like Twilight Zone's always a bit noirish, really, in the, in its sci-fi portrayal. I got 
all that sense from this actually and i i don't know maybe i was i just thought of the twilight zone and it was weird that then i saw that she worked on the twilight zone i thought that was at least a coincidence anyway so yeah her her twilight episode is called the masks and it's about a dying man who um wears a grotesque mask that reflects people's true personalities apparently oh that sounds really cool yeah. that sounds really good i've been kind of i've been trying to work through the old twilight zones whenever i got a minute just put them on because only like 20 minutes long uh there are like four billion of them though so i'm not very <laughs> shortly into them but they're fun they're better than i remember them some of them are but it's the good ones are awesome like um, i haven't seen any of the new ones by um jordan peele jordan peele yeah no i haven't watched them either i kept meaning to but i don't know there's been two seasons apparently has there oh yeah. god but yeah, i anyway. love anthology stuff but i just never sit down to watch it I, yeah. I just love the idea of it more than anything else um it's interesting as a film noir i thought because like unlike most film noirs that are kind of set in you know cramped alleyways and offices and stuff like that this is a film noir set in the massive open desert uh, well, that is, but it's also set in the confines of a car most of the, the time cars as well. well. Yeah, sure. Yeah, good point. Yeah, um, I do I love that car of, though. Those old fifties, it's incredible. Black beasts of a car. I love them. They look like they they look like they take so much effort to get moving. They're oh. so heavy things for the landscape and stuff. Um, but like, I thought the way that they use light in the desert or use like the terrain in the desert, <clears> but both blowing it out, but also kind of like just using the shadows of like no natural like no artificial lights and stuff in the desert was just kind of gave it that kind of um sense of claustrophobia as well even when you're dealing with these massive open landscapes like you're not any more protected because you you're in the countryside you know like even though it's all open you still this guy's got a gun on you kind of thing and i I think i've got a sense of that still i still find nuts that they film in at night as well and it's like pitch black like even today it's still a pain in the ass to film at night like even when they did Castaway they shot in the daytime and yeah 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 yeah. and like digitally corrected the skies and stuff like that yeah which leads some weird shots in Castaway (laughs) yeah but anyway but like this is like when it's night it's like pitch black Mm. isn't it but it's but I quite like that though and you just kind of just see his face kind of lit up with his gammy eye kind of like is he looking at you is he not I liked the bit where they escape after one of their weird camping trips and they're running across the road. Um, and it's just like, it looks like the darkness in the distance. Oh, is this when he there, chases like, them? On the, with yeah, the yeah. So it looks like they're aiming for that darkness, which is their salvage almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the light is, and then, what's, yeah, the, the light is what's actually going to get them. What's going to get you? Yeah, yeah. And um, he comes like, driving through in the car then with, as you say, like with his, with his, that stare of his. Like, um, It's worth um, pointing out that this film is available on YouTube because it's... Absolutely, um, yeah. Because it's... Um, what's the word? My mind's gone dead. It's... Uh, public domain. Public domain, yeah. Yeah, it's on the Library of Congress's YouTube channel, which I just found out that Library of Congress have a YouTube channel. Yeah. <laughs> but it's on there for free. And it's, it's, it's a bit of a pain, know, though, because you get quite a few ads... Oh, Which I didn't get any yeah. ads. I got, well, have That's you weird. got an ad blocker, though? Yeah, maybe that, maybe that was it. I haven't got one. Maybe that was it. Um, um, shall we bash through the... Well, there's not much plot to get through. It's not that plot heavy. Shall we bash through it a bit, though? Yeah, like, sure. Um, so, like, it kind of opens with our killer, who's played by um, William Talman. Well, you don't uh, see him. You just see the, the bottom of the car, don't you? And, like, you see, like, 
certain you just see his feet mainly yeah but you see like a purse fall out of the car and kind of assume that he's obviously killed someone or something's happened in this car I like um I like that yeah you get the cigarettes falling out the like, like the lady's clutch and you get um like spinning papers at this point like like I'm telling sp- you that people are getting murdered and things. I wonder when that started that trend of spinning papers because I do, <laughs> so I, do, do like I. That. <laughs> I do like it a lot I really do like it as like a a silly like thing I like it when they do it in the Simpsons like as a takeoff and stuff um and you get a basic bit of a montage of killing people but it's all from his fo- feet point of view mm. isn't it and he's his shoes are mucky and his pants are a bit like torn and stuff like that. And it's like, it's telling you about the character without showing you anything. They say um, he's 28 later on. There's no way he's 28. Do they say he's 28 later on? <laughs> yeah. That can't be true. <laughs> I'm pretty that sure that's not be true. I was like, no. <laughs> no. You know, the budget for this was only 100k as well, which I can't imagine was a lot then in that, terms well, of anything. Like, I mean, it's more than it is net. Like, 100k then is quite a lot net. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, but, it is. But. But I can kind of understand it. Like, as we said, like, the the only locations really are they're in the, the rocky, desert kind of terrain. Yeah. Or in the car. And they're on that dock at the end. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, the dock's really cool. And there's a couple of shops and a bar and stuff. There's a couple of interiors. I can kind of understand of how, like, you know, there's only three main cast members. Yeah, yeah. There is there is a, a an FBI agent later on who I swear is Harrison Ford. He looks, in some shots, he looks just like Harrison Ford. I got a note about him because I, I loved the comparison of this like square chinned FBI agent oh, and compared the to like the the yeah the Mexican police chief. Police who chief. I liked the Mexican police chief a lot more. He was a much <laughs> better actor for sure. He was. He really was. Like, like you, you, like we'll get into it anyway. We'll, we'll get to sure. that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so you introduced your two male leads, who I uh, think their names Gil and Roy. Yeah, Gil uh, and Roy. I think it's Roy Collins, is it? Yeah, so that's Collins, right? yeah. Edmund O'Brien plays him. Yeah. And then Frank Lovejoy plays Gilbert Bowen. And then Emmett and, uh, Myers, who is the, the hitchhiker, he's played by William Talman. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they're going off fishing. Oh, um, there is a girl in this film. There is one girl. What, the, the, the actual the girl at the shop? Yeah, that's the only yeah. female in the yeah. film. Anyway. <laughs> there is a silent woman driving a car later oh yes with her husband yeah 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 anyway yeah anyway they're off to a fishing trip together to mexico except no one knows they've gone to mexico it's a very it's very broke back why they yeah it's like (laughs) why would you lie where you're going (laughs) i don't know um and you get a bit of a sense of their characters they'd both served in the war so you mm-hmm. get a bit of this idea about them um they've both married but have left their wives at home one of them's got kids uh they get to mexico this bit is really weird um they get to mexico and they turn down a fan dance because one of them's asleep but then like as he's driving <laughs> off he pre- he's pretending to be asleep yeah like he opens the side of his eye and then shuts it before the other sees him i know <laughs> like, yeah it's bizarre I was like, what is this suggesting? Again, this is me like, is this a bit homoerotic? Is this actually what there is going on here? Maybe that's like, something she was trying to, she wanted to kind of. Maybe, into, yeah. I don't, know. I don't know. I mean, and it is, uh, there is something about it. Like uh, here, um, it's Collins who's driving and Gil's the ones asleep. And like, Collins is kind of like, we can go back home if you don't want to be away from your family. It's fine. Like if, if you didn't want to be here. And then, 
he's asleep and he's like, ah, oh, no, we can't go for a fan dance. He's asleep. I just need to take him back home kind of thing. So you get this kind of fact that Collins is kind of like, um, he's looking after for Gil. He's like nurturing him a little bit. He's in charge kind of thing. Um, and you do get the switch later in the film that it's Collins who injures himself and it's Gil who's then kind of taking charge. Yeah, it's the role reversal, he- yeah do get like a little bit of role reverse with that and that is kind of what these very brief moments at the beginning of the film are setting up because the film's only what 70 minutes long so it's, it doesn't have much time to do much but it does I do you feel bad there. though for Roy though because is it hang on which one's which I'm trying to think because the mechanic is is the mechanic Roy the one who's mostly driving yes yeah. Collins Roy yeah yeah, so he's constantly getting punched by his other friend, like because he's like he's <laughs> yeah. the more erratic one, isn't he? That's kind of yeah. like, oh, when I get him, I'm going to do this, and he constantly. Right. Yeah. Um, the other one's a bit more cooler, a bit more calmer. Yeah, a bit more. I, I think is it later on? It, Collins explodes at hit at the hitchhiker. He um, yells about his clothes stinking as well. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so um, um, so it's worth noting that Roy is a mechanic. Roy Collins and, and Gilbert is a he's a, a draftsman is that right oh you're right I completely so forgot that yeah because he he says like oh you're the intelligent one or something yeah. doesn't he um but yeah instantly we're just into the threat they pick up they, they pick up the hitchhiker instantly like they drive out of like that Mexican city and they he's just there and they they get him in in they're like we're off to San Felipe um and here's a cigarette <laughs> here's a cigarette yeah yeah and when he turns round to offer him a cigarette, this gun just comes out of the darkness in his face. Like it's just instantly we're into this. Like there's no no more setup. And I loved this lighting in the car. I loved how like at the back it was just pitch black, mm-hmm. and and all you can see is stuff that comes out of the darkness, like the gun. And then later when he leans forward and stuff, I just thought it could look. It looked really really dramatic lighting. I thought. So is the scene that precedes this when they're in the desert and they've stopped for the first time, and they're like yeah, they're doing some yeah. like they're doing like he's like basically getting um, Collins to hold bottles and they shoot they're shooting the bottles, aren't they? Yeah, there's a lot of just different scenes before that. He gets them to pull over and he gets them to take blankets and the groceries out of the car. Yeah, there's yeah, a yeah. bit where like oh, someone makes the... a rifle and yeah, there's like the no rifle. no no, and they get him to drive straight for a checkpoint. Um, He's getting very mad every time. Any time Gil says anything in Spanish, like he says "gracias," and the guy's like, "He's like, shut up, stop speaking that Mexican kind of thing." Like, um, yeah, that's and all the it's all that's kind of building up, and you start learning that he wants to get a ferry back to California across the bay, and that's the goal to get to the ferry port. And yeah, as you say, they pull over. They got they're shooting. They're shooting. Kind of they're getting Collins to hold cans, and they're shooting cans out of his hands and stuff like that i just love like a... the first person shot yeah and yeah. It's, that's yeah. kind of what the poster is almost oh you're right yeah you're right yeah it was like really video gamey even but the it... way like the gun was waving looked really video ga- video gamey to me but what i liked about it was it's like it's all in focus so i don't know what lens yeah. i used to do that like i know there's like shots in like jaws there's you know there's a there's it a... looks like it's composite wasn't it a bit? yeah well there's a term for it let me have a look uh right there. uh so basically, the split diopter is a half convex glass that attaches in front of the cameraman's lens to make half the lens nearsighted. 
then the lens can focus on a plane in the background and the diopter on the foreground and the split diopter does not create a real depth of focus, only the illusion of it. Yeah. So, so I'm guessing that's how they did that effect. Yeah, probably is. So it's basically like, you know when you see like um, a person who's like carving or whatever and they've kind of got that little flip of the little another like lens that kind of goes on top of their glasses but it's not as big as the... Yes. I guess it's like yes. a similar thing yes. to that basically. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Like so it's given those two the two optics with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Maybe they did do like that. It was I love the shot though. I'm glad you recognised it think, as well. But I, I think that's well. I think that's what makes it look like a composite. So if you watch the one in there's one in ah. Jaws. It's like a famous one where Brody, I think, is like looking out of the water. Not the, the obviously there's the famous like um when the shark comes up, but not that one. The yeah, the the Hitchcocky zoom. But no, there's de- yeah. there's a famous one in Jaws, and there's, there's stuff in other films as well. But they kind of it because it gives wasn't. a slight blur around the edge of one of the items, it kind of makes it yeah. look a bit yeah composite. Yeah, that's what the gun looked like as well. Yeah, I like I liked all this though when they're shooting and stuff like that. It's all location shot, like, and it's a mix between handheld when they're close in, and it's all like all the wides are shot with it. I'm guessing like tripod or gimbal or something like that, like. Um, I like that kind of. I liked all the that it felt all like kind of the tension rising when it's when you're kind of in it. Um, I like William Talman. I thought he was quite good. He got like a good air of menace to him. I really oh, yeah. thought of like Will- William Defoe. Yeah, like, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, because he's got that. Especially he's got that paralyzed eye or something, which they make yeah, a point. like a, a lazy plot eye point, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, apparently. He says that not after long, long after the film's release, he was driving in Los Angeles with his top down, and a motorist spotted him, and he recognised him as the villain from this, the hitchhiker, and uh, they got out of the car and slapped him in the face, <laughs> and he and he said like, um, he said, you know, I never won an Academy Award, but I guess that was about as close as I yeah, did a good will come job. to one, right? Yeah, and he said like the ability to have an effect on anyone is just is just really cool, more valuable than Oscar, I think is what he said, like. Uh, it's but a very a... kind of macho pissing scene, though, I think, isn't it? And, like, the so other guy kind of... <laughs> and he kind of gives as good as he gets because, obviously, he's quite a good shot. But didn't you think his shotgun was tiny? It's so yes. Small. It's a rifle without a shotgun, isn't it? But it yeah, still but looks like is, a little toy tiny, gun. It looks like a little <laughs> spud gun. It does. It looks really weird. I thought that was the same thing, like a toy gun. Um, I did notice there's a bit sometimes on the road where the fake background and the car was going insane. Like yes. it was like they're on rough waters. And then when it cuts like a close up, it's just like flat in the background. <laughs> and I like, I know it's just the, the, it's just the habit of the films when they were made then, but it did find it a little bit distracting. Oh. It kind of, you do start getting stories coming in about the radio announcements now and police movements. Police are on a manhunt for him. They're looking for the car. He's turning the radio on all the time to kind of hear what the police are doing. Um, and you start. But they also this... know that they're missing as well. So obviously, yeah, they, yeah. They know that, but they don't know. But they're looking together. in the wrong place. But they're looking yeah. in the wrong place because the husbands have told the wives they're going to. I forget like the some chocolate ca- mountains. Which yeah, I've never like... heard of. I did look it up. They are in Arizona. Yeah, um, but um, obviously they're not there. They're not there. Yeah. So it takes the police a while to actually kind of pin it that they're together and like that's what starts happening now you first get the really weird camping scene when they're like camping next to a tiny stream with their like these tiny blankets pulled up to their heads <laughs> they look all com- comfortable in the front it's like <laughs> this is as much as we can light up in this shot so you've yeah. all got to be yeah. 
<laughs> it's like we've got this little little circle of light and you have to be in it. <laughs> um, but yeah, they go to a shopping trip, which is really weird. Yeah. Uh, you, like the, he keeps his gun in his pocket all the time. And um, there was a weird, there's a thing like Collins is like telling him to stack loads of cans up in a box. Like he had a plan. I'm totally not sure what his plan was. But he stops his plan when he notices the girl being next to the hitchhiker. Um, I, don't, I didn't really understand what was going mm. on, if I'm honest. Uh, you get a weird reaction where like, one of the guys says, oh, I've been to where your license plate's from, and that's really nice. And the hitchhiker's like really angry at him for it. He just really hates Mexicans as well. It's a really character thing about this hitchhiker. He really doesn't like Mexicans. Um uh, they um one thing I didn't understand, like normally like crime films, you do your crimes in America and, and the race is to escape back to Mexico. This was kind of weird that he did his crimes in Amer- in America, was in Mexico but wanted to get back, back to, to America. America. <laughs> yeah, like but not across the border. He was going to take the ferry. I didn't really get it. I didn't really understand. I guess it was true if it's based. I don't know, but like I still thought it was weird. I kind of like you don't know much about him. It kind of makes him even yeah. much more kind of like... like I think the more you know about a character like that, the more you have the chance of sympathising with them, which I guess you don't really want to do. You just kind of... They're just evil incarnate, aren't they? And they're just kind of... Yeah. Do you think, like, the Rutger Howard one took influence from this? Because it's a similar yeah, sort I, of thing that you don't know anything about him. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it's de- apparently uh, it's a film that's definitely kind of over the years has kind of got more and more acclaim over the years. Yeah. Um. You, you kind of get now Gil and Collins are kind of starting to try and sabotage the car and make the journey more difficult. Yeah, so um, they have the horn going off and so, yeah, so they can they'd... stop it, so they can pull the radio so he can't hear like what's going on. Yeah, so he doesn't know where the police are doing. Um. The the tire pops and it forces and interactions with witnesses. I uh, the, the the hitchhiker hates them talking Spanish to anyone. Well, you can so understand the, why because he could be saying anything. He, and, yeah, yeah. So. It's just it made me laugh because the guy pulls up um, and says like, "Hey, are you guys are in trouble?" And they don't respond to him. And the the Mexican guy's just like, "Well, fuck you." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, See you later. <laughs> He does a proper like fucking Americans like, and Josh drives off and and then at the same time you're seeing the police talk to the grocery store people. They talk to the the the, the guy who pulled up in the car. So you get this general kind of chasing kind of happening throughout the film. Uh, they full up. They pull up. It's starting to get more desperate now, and he's getting a lot more paranoid. So they they fill up gas illegally at night at a petrol station. He kills a dog. They, uh, what a twat. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Shoot the dog. Off camera, and, like, but still. Off camera, yeah, but like. When it cuts to the gas station attendant, uh, he's saying in Spanish, like, all he's concerned about is his dog. He's just like, they shot my dog, Perro. Did like, you have subtitles? Shot my dog, like. Did you have subtitles? No, no, I just I just picked up the word Perro. Like, yeah, because um, I was going to say, you kind of get what's being said, but, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very... I don't know, like, I know no Spanish at all, but the Spanish they use, I can tell what they're talking about. Like, yeah, but I know, think got... because the, the because the because of the plot of the film, you kind of yeah. you know what they're kind of going on about anyway. And it's mainly there's some interviewing like witnesses and they're saying, oh yeah, there was two of them or like, and, and or three of them. And oh yeah, that guy in the news and, and stuff like that. Like, but at the gas station, they leave an engraved ring as well. So well, the police G- know Gil's leaving like a little, 
he's like leaving like a little trail or like little clues. Yeah, to kind of to kind of say that you know we're with him as well, and that's when the police worked out they're together. So this is the point where you get. I don't the, know about that. I'm sure it was a bit before that. They kind of say that they're together. I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong. It might have been. I just remember the scene with the Mexican police chief, and then the square jawed cop is like now, and they're like, "Wow, we we make sure they're together. So we're going to release fake news on the radio that said they're not together, and and turn yeah. them off the scent and stuff like that." And he's like, "I hope I've got your agreements to this." And the Mexican cop's just like, "Yeah, I know. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> I'm with you." Well ahead of you. But yeah, um, as we said, he's a pretty bad actor, the FBI agent cop guy. <laughs> he's not good. And he I swear not, there's some really good. bad dubbing from him. Like he sounds like he's in a different room to um Yeah. To the to the Mexican chief. There's some ADR on the hitchhiker as well that sounds like they recorded it just really yeah, there's, weirdly. There's a line back. later on where he goes, You're lying and it's like it's really badly dubbed and it's like it doesn't sound like the same inflection of what he's been saying in the previous and what yeah. it's just it's like almost like workshed in um Evil Dead. <laughs> workshed. <laughs> sure. There is a bit right at the beginning when he says something in the car, it almost like cuts between him says something, then lines get dropped in and then he says something else and it's really obvious ADR dropped in. Um uh, kind of yeah so it i don't know like they're they're kind of this is the bit where they're sleeping um that we talked about the the lighting is kind of you know i just love the lighting of the darkness they're sneaking away he wakes up because he has this thing where you can't tell if he's sleeping because one eye is always open um they're sneaking away but as they do he drives at them and it causes collins to kind of trip on a but he gets iron. his foot caught in like an iron kind of like um, ring thing cha- like where well, you'd have it you'd attach a chain or something chain to yeah because it's, yeah. it's an old uh airport uh airstrip isn't it or something like that so it's like a long uh, strip yeah, of road sure. isn't it yeah, so yeah. just so um yeah he twists his ankle um and uh at that point like um he's kind of had enough of them so he's, he's threatening to kind of drop him in a well or kill him in a well yeah. or something. <laughs> um, and as he's about to do that, he hears the, the fake police report over the radio saying that, like, change of plans. He's not actually with the, the two missing men. He's on his own. And he's also not going to this place. Like, And he's like, ah, see, I fooled them. Like, uh, I don't need to kill you now or something. You can stay with me for a bit longer. But he's either shot the car or it just burst the kind of gas pipe didn't it because mm-hmm. the car's leaking gas so instead of driving anywhere they now have to walk and um this is the point where like you start really getting just like uh kind of gill looking after collins more and more kind yeah, of exploring he's... that sensitivity of their relationship a little more yeah because the collins is like kind of collapsing on the floor like in anger or like you know and like yeah gill goes up to him to kind of so yeah, like Gil makes it... but he's also he's also saying I'm gonna get him, I'm gonna get him. Yeah. He's like, just wait, just wait. Yeah, because Gil's very much like, look, like um, you know, we need to do this together. We're friends. We like not not one another. We need to work together. We need each other. We can't survive it. Like if if you're not here, and like there's very much like kind of it's about them too at this point. They're both in it. They both need each other. Really, it's an early bromance. It's like a... it is a massive bromance. This film. It's like. And you get a lot of stuff here with them, you know. Uh, it's much more difficult terrain. It, you know, they blow out the lens at some point because it's hot deserts. You know, they're crossing these rivers. I think um, they're, they're, he's making them get up in the night to walk. 
there's more police patrols they're hiding more in the desert there's helicopters and stuff like that and even he does like a he does um a, a Nicky, and Mike, Mikey and Nicky is he changes clothes as well yeah, yeah. with Gil. So, you know, he'll, Gil gets shot and not him. Uh, but you, I like that. Go on. Do you get the... He kind of likes being with them, though, so he's not on his own. Do you kind of get that vibe a little bit? Because he could have killed them at any time or just taken their car. He definitely likes toying with them. Yeah. It's the so, whole film is the fact that he's enjoying Yeah, he's, their, enjoying, he's enjoying their company for his own kind yeah. of benefit his own game i'm not yeah. saying like he enjoys just hanging out with them like no no he's not <laughs> yeah though he does make sure they take the fishing gear so maybe he did have <laughs> some plans <laughs> maybe but i don't know yeah he's definitely it makes no real sense that he hasn't killed them it's just that he's enjoying the sadistic game of kind of keeping these two men Cat at gunpoint kind of, yeah yeah um he's he berates them all the time he berates their manhood all the time you know like and this like this, when they start snapping at him saying like you're nothing without that gun you know you, you, you're not anything you're weak you know we're you know he's telling them they're weak all the time but he's like you know you're weak we're strong you're the one with the gun if you didn't have that gun you'd be knocked on your ass kind of thing it's definitely that kind of stuff and he's enjoying having that power over them so they get to the bar they get to a bar now they um they order three beers and they find out in spanish that the ferry's not running so um like they they find a guy to speak English. They find a sleeping man who can speak English. Yeah. <laughs> who explains who explains to the hitchhiker that there's no ferry for a year or something. Yeah, um, two months, I think. I'm so, so tired. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> and uh, and he, he says like, but, you know, they kind of bribe him that his mate's got a boat. So he gives him loads of money and he says that there'll be more for your mate. So if you get the boat, we they'll take you across the bay. Um, so they decide to spend the day on the beach together, and this is the bit when he's like, "You're nothing without your gun and your clothes stink." And uh, <laughs> I like the, I like the bit though with the Mexican guy. It's like he walks past the uh, the wanted sign. He does the Patrick Stewart like triple take. <laughs> he even says, "I caramba." He does, yeah. <laughs> I loved it. Oh, I caramba. And it, like, and then he, with quite some difficulty, the guy who he's with doesn't want to listen to him. With quite some difficulty, he calls the cops. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, I need to call the cops, and the guy's like, what? And he goes, I need to call the cops, and he's, the guy's like, okay. And then he's on the phone, and he's like, cops, and the, and now he goes, no, 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 cops. Like, and it's like, why was it so difficult for this man to find the police? Um, then he <laughs> basically get to the the pier at the end i i love the pier stuff here um no it was it was, lo- it was shot really well and it looked it looked this was like the most noir kind of looking yeah part of the film well the whole film does but like this scene definitely like classically like yeah. you got all the light reflecting off the water and and like kind of constantly moving because of that and you get the really stark shadows that well that and you stuff. have a gun that's constantly poking out of a corner poking out yeah <laughs> Uh, you never see the shooters, do you? Like the police shooting at them. And I kind of liked because they changed clothes. The only person wearing light clothes at this point was the hitchhiker. So mm-hmm. both Gill and Collins were wearing dark clothes, but the, the guy, he was wearing like this kind of like light golfing suit that really kind of like lit him up in the frame as well, which I, I just I just thought it made a really good image, but also mm-hmm. kind of like made him more of a target for the police as well. And uh, the they start shooting at... Um, I think it's yeah. They start shooting at Collins, and Collins hides and starts like yelling, "It's not me! I'm not the I'm not Emmett." Um, so then Gill and Gill and the hitchhiker get into a, a bit of a fisticuffs on the on the pier, 
and a bit of fight over the uh, the gun. Uh, and then the police kind of interfere and they kind of... He does a take... cool, like, chop socky move on him. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's he on does. his hand, like... <laughs> I that against the wrist and he gives him a proper little, like, 1950s clock in the chin. Oh, we forgot about well, like... earlier on, um, the, the hitchhiker gives um, Collins, like, a proper, like... Um, what do you call it with the handle of the gun? Like, a proper... Oh, like, to the back of his head. He whip. knocks him out. Yeah, yeah, pistol whip, yeah. He knocks him out in the wheel, doesn't he? Like... Uh, I, I love this bit, though. This is properly, like, you know, the theme of the film. But, like, after he gets in handcuffs and he, and he doesn't have his gun, he's just pathetic. Oh, he's yeah, like, he's, he's just... Not he's, even... It's like all of his power was in that gun. Yeah, it is like... It's like all his power just went away. He's just... He's, he's crap. He doesn't look scary. He just looks pathetic and a bit cryy. Um, I like how starts, the police like, let kill have a few, like, little punches. <laughs> it's like, go say. on, then. <laughs> I think it's Collins. Collins just started Collins? going at him, and the, and the police are just like, "Yeah, it's fine. Yep, yep. Come on, <laughs> let's go on. Hit him again, a bit more." And then, like, as they take him away, the police just come up to like Collins and Gill and just go, "Gracias," yeah, and then walk away. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that really cracked me up. Like, that's it. Yeah, you're done with. And then they kind of just hobble off into the into the into the frame, don't they? Kind of all hugging each other, which is ah, like bromance again. It's kind of the end of it, like. But yeah, I, I, I kind of enjoyed it. It, I thought it was, you know, I really liked the music, and that was by Leith, yeah. Leith Stevens. Okay. And um, I'm trying to think what else he's done the music for that I would know. Uh, nothing that I really know, but um, yeah, but I quite liked it. I get, I get the impression from reading like her biography, uh, Lipido. She had like teams that she worked with all the time. Like, uh, this was co-written and kind of helped be produced by her husband at the time, Collier Young. Um, they divorced later. But, like, at this this time, they made these films together and stuff. So I mean, that's not uncommon in for film. I mean, you know, you look at no, uh, no, no, Akira Kurosawa, who kind of had the same team for most of his yeah, films. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the Ealing Studios probably had a lot of the same, like, crew and stuff like that that they used a lot. And uh, the cinematographer was by Nicholas Muscara. Um, He's got a huge list here. I don't know. Like Cat People. He did Cat People. Cat in People. To last week. <laughs> yeah. Are you the, the Ghost Ship? Um, I don't know. Bedlam. So Out it looked like he did a lot of genre kind of stuff. Yeah. Like kind of. A lot of these sound like they're probably noirs. <laughs> Just <Yeah>. guessing. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm the same. I enjoyed it. It's um, it's perfectly enjoyable and as like a bit of a history piece as a bit of film history it's uh i, I thought it was just really cool to watch really more yeah. than anything else like and um and yeah it was it was good i mean it's it's the timing's a bit weird because it's quite short it's it's doesn't yeah. you know it it's kind of flows a bit weirdly because of that but um and i didn't when i mean like it doesn't feel televisual, but there was a certain elements of televisual stuff about it, and I think that's more because of the timing of it, uh, how short it was. Yeah, and the budget was... as well, maybe as well. Yeah. but I, but I, I thought it was short. I thought it looked fairly decent, and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. don't mean it as an insult. I yeah, just, yeah, like, and like you get a lot of it takes it, it even though it's short, and even though like there's not a whole lot of plot to it, it takes its time with what it has. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't feel rushed at all 
there's still like you know it takes its time to do wide scenes to show you the desert to show you the environment in to show you like what they feel like and look like in it 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 builds the characters i really like william Talman. i did think he was really good um and uh it, it i don't know i was quite impressed by it i enjoyed watching it like what would you give it out of five then uh eight, three and a half probably yeah Inch, t- inching to four probably the same like, it's a solid picture solid picture <laughs> Those those dames can make films, <laughs> make pictures. Sorry, <laughs> they can. I mean, yeah, it was it was really good. So, uh, what are we talking about next week then? I don't know. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. Next week we're going in proper proper B movie territory because we're doing the uh, the giant ant picture. Then, oh yeah, we should have our friend James Rayner returning. Is it ants with uh, Woody Allen? Ants with Woody Allen, yes. That's what we're doing next week. We're Stice Stallone. <laughs> like, I've never seen them. Uh, I barely know anything about it. I know it totally by the poster more than anything yeah, else. Yeah, reputation. Like, so, but it'd be interesting to see what like sci-fi B-movies were like in the 50s. I think. I'm looking forward to it. Right then, uh, thanks for listening. And as we said earlier, please uh, check us out on Twitter. We are at Adjust Your Tracking with a YR, not a your. Uh, please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe. Be it Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, uh, YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts from, you'll find us. And please, like as I said, rate, review, and subscribe. And yeah, don't forget if the pitch is bad, always adjust your tracking. <laughs>